This is the Kibasa King Sports Extravaganza. Hey, 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 Yakshamash. Club to you too, Rolander. You know, really, I love your style. I love the way you edit things together. Well, thanks for noticing. It's a real pain. We welcome to the show Christian Leitner. Yeah, I'm proud of my heritage, and my mother used to make a lot of delicious meals, capusta, clumpy, pierogi, all that good stuff. I put sour cream on everything, and um, so <laughs> a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of Polish tradition there. Hey guys, this is Jake Kuba Kutserowski, that's part of the tag team, one half of that tag team known as Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Just wanted to thank you guys all for tuning in. Make sure you guys check out Bucky'sFifthQuarter.com, great SB Nation site dedicated to all your Wisconsin Badgers news, notes, and discussion. Once again, check out Bucky'sFifthQuarter.com, also on Twitter, at B5Q. Dozabachenya, my friends. Welcome to Bucky's Fifth Quarter in the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza. This is Jay Kokorowski here. Thank you guys for joining us tonight. Fun show. Big news, obviously, with the Wisconsin Badgers upsetting number five LSU at Lambeau Field in the Lambeau Field College Classic. Of course, brought to you by Carmex. Uh, but wonderful atmosphere. Uh, just uh, even before the game, covering it, the atmosphere between both fan bases just looking from the press box, it was uh, amazing to see the stadium filled up and, and it was uh, just great to see the fan bases. And, and from what I saw and what I heard, uh, pretty respectful between both sides and obviously a big Wisconsin victory and upset. We are joined today uh, by Zach Heilprin, reporter at The Zone in Madison, 106.7 FM. Great stuff they do over there. And also the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Zach, how is your Wednesday evening? Doing great. Thanks for having me on, Jake. Hey, not a problem. And this is a big weekend, obviously. Uh, Wisconsin came in, I think I'm not mistaken, a 12.5 point underdog uh, to the Tigers and Leonard Fournette and, and Dave Aranda. And uh, let me ask you just uh, was there one thing that really stood out that was surprising from this weekend? From, from you know, Aside from the Josh Sitton news, which we'll get into uh, with the Packers <laughs> yeah. a little later, which uh, I mean, I think that it hit all of us maybe about an hour before the game, which uh, threw everyone for a loop uh, with, with Rob Domofsky's first report there. But uh, 
what surprised you from, you know, that in that victory for the Badgers that maybe you just didn't know or that you didn't think would happen uh, on Saturday? Well, you know, the, the defense, I thought the defense would be good, Wisconsin's defense it is. I thought, I thought they would be good. I didn't think they'd be that good. And I don't know, and I, and I still don't know exactly how good they are. I don't think any of us do. We don't know how, any of these, how good any of these teams are. We've only seen one game. There's just so much still to be decided. But I didn't think Wisconsin was able to hold up as well as they did, especially on the back end. The defensive backs had a lot to prove, and they went ahead and did it. Now, Brandon Harris had a lot to do with that, I think, and I think the pressure on him had a lot to do with it. But that, that stood out. I wasn't expecting them to, to hold them down the way they did, and you know, it wasn't – they were barely – rarely tested. I mean, outside of the – they only had gave up seven points, They and that came out on a short field after another uh, turnover by Wisconsin. So, I, the defense thought it was going to be good, not that good. That that may have been the, the biggest surprise for me. Um, and, and maybe it shouldn't have been. I mean, when you return that much talent, and, and I know that, you know, some of those DBs had played before, but um, I was not expecting them to, to dominate like they did, and – Again, we don't know exactly how good LSU is. I would hope that uh, Cam Cameron, their offensive coordinator, does uh, uh, is a little bit more imaginative the next time they they take the field, <laughs> uh, because because it wasn't there wasn't much there for them. And uh, uh, Wisconsin Wisconsin owned it. They 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 were in control pretty much throughout, uh, except for that what about sixty seven seconds. Absolutely, yeah, and. Uh, you know, you look at the with this defense, you said 257 total yards allowed, 138 to, to Leonard Fournette. He averaged an even six yards per carry. And, you know, it's one of the things that they did. They contained Fournette uh, and, and they maybe what, a 30 yard run from what I, yeah. from what I, what we that saw. Was the biggest play. And yeah. That was the biggest play. And, and they stuffed them. And maybe this goes into the, the next question, next topic with this Ryan Conley. Uh, it didn't look good that, that after that first offensive play for LSU with Chris Orr with that serious injury. Ryan Conley, former walk-on from Minnesota, steps up, seven tackles, has one on four net on that key screen pass on that third down uh, in, in open space and, and beat a block of a lineman. Uh, what, I mean, seeing Conley, and you, you and I both spoke with him earlier today uh, during media availability, just uh, it just seems with that defense they can just pop in players and and Conley seemed to have two good fall camps uh, the past two years uh, and he stepped up huge uh, you know for the Badgers against the Tigers. Who's this Conley guy you speak of? I, I only know him as the uncle. <laughs> uh, no, um, you know what I mean? Uh, they, they, that is their nickname <laughs> for him. Uh, T.J. Watt revealed that on on Monday because. He is uh, what? what? He, he's a he's a redshirt sophomore. I think he's a junior. So he's a junior in college. He can't be more than twenty or twenty-one, and uh, he's got the receding hairline. For a guy who has no hairline, um, uh, I can certainly sympathize with him. But yeah, they call him the uncle, <laughs> uh, which which he said is is not very imaginative. And he he so he's he's saying that they probably need to be a little better than that. But he was, you know, he was really good, and and they needed him to be. I think his camp last fall, uh, not this past fall, but uh, last year. Uh, was really good. He was running with the starters for a large portion of that time, especially when T.J. Edwards and Leon Jacobs weren't there because they were out with injuries. And I think, uh, you know, his play, along with obviously what they got from Chris Orr and what they probably thought they'd get with Jack Cicci, is the reason that Leon Jacobs originally went over to uh, to the offensive side of the ball. Like, they, he just wasn't going to see playing time. Now, obviously, they moved him back with the uh, injury to Orr. But, yeah, Ryan Connolly is just, you know, really out of nowhere. The kid didn't have an offer from – 
anybody. His best offer was a walk-on offer to Wisconsin. He had a couple of D2 opportunities, which aren't even full scholarships. And, uh, and so his parents, one parent, they both grew up in Wisconsin. One went to Iowa, one went to uh, Wisconsin. And so he uh, grew up cheering for the Hawkeyes, which apparently he didn't want anybody else to know about, uh, but he did reveal that today. Um, and, but this was his best chance. And he called, you know, he comes and walks on and earns a scholarship last year. And without him on Saturday, they're in trouble. I don't, cause I don't know who you put there. Nick Thomas was kind of, uh, you know, hobbled with, with the foot injury. He had a, um, a boot on it the day before the game, you know, they, they were, they were down two guys at that spot and he came in and he played really fantastic. And that play that you mentioned, the third and eight, where he was able to, you know, get off the, the block, which is the block he got off of was an all American in, in the, and Ethan Posick, the, the center. And then to take down the best player in the country and in, in Leonard Fournette with that tackle, was huge and Justin Wilcox kind of talked about Absolutely. that today he said yeah he said you know without uh when you take every it was a big play but when you take into consideration everything else all into it you know the, what happened after it with Wisconsin getting the ball and going back down and scoring uh to get the field goal he said that that is a play that's going to be on the teach tape for a long time and I, I I'm still I, I think it was the biggest play um of the game for, defensively for Wisconsin uh, because without that, I don't know. I mean, Sojourn Shelton was the next one up, and I'm not sure Sojourn Shelton's getting Leonard Fournette with a, you know, barreled, barreling down on him. I don't think he's getting. I don't know if he's getting him on the ground. So that could have been a, a uh, much bigger play than it than it ended up being. Might have been a recreation of what Fournette did to that Auburn safety a year ago. So that yeah. might have been uh, might have been disastrous. And we're here with Zach Heilprin from Madison Sports Talk Station 106.7 and the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network here on Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Make sure you guys follow him on Twitter at Zach Heilprin. And you look at maybe just look at broadly with that Chris Orr injury. Obviously, a right knee out for the season. It was announced and confirmed on Monday. Um, where do you see this position going? They, they've moved back now. Leon Jacobs, it appears he's going to play both inside linebacker and fullback where he transitioned before. Uh, you saw Griffin Grady uh, in, in the depth chart now, a true freshman. Uh, and he's stepping up now into the second team for what it looks like as well. Uh, just, and you still, I think TJ Edwards is questionable with, with his foot injury. Uh, how concerned are you about that position group? Well, I, you know, coming into it, I think everyone thought that that was going to be the, the deepest position group, and no one was really worried that T.J. Edwards wasn't going to be there for the first game because you had the two guys. You had Jack Sitchie and you had Chris Orr, both of whom played a lot, played you know, and played well last year. So you weren't really worried. Now you lose Chris Orr, and now you have to stick in Ryan Connolly. But I think they're desperate uh, – not desperate. I think they're uh, desperately trying to avoid having to use Griffin Grady this year, I think they would, they'd like to redshirt him. And I think that's one of the reasons why they moved, um, certainly moved uh, Leon Jacobs back. And I, I, he barely touched the field outside of special teams the other day. So I, I think if, if they were going to lose another guy, it'll, it'll either be Leon Jacobs or Nick Thomas that go in and, and, and replace him. I think they're going to try and hold Griffin Grady out. I mean, I'm not sure if he's ready. Um, now he's there and they, they may need him, but I, I don't <laughs> think that they want to play him. You know what I mean? Like Chris Orr was ready. Absolutely. And they were they they knew early on that he was going to be ready to play and be able to play. And I'm not sure if they have we haven't heard that same thing about Griffin Grady. Uh now the now look, to be fair, last year they had they had to replace a couple of really talented players in Derek Landish and Marcus Trotter. And so you know, that was there was a bunch of bodies flowing into that spot. But I, 
I would be surprised if uh, if they use him. I think they would. Des- I think they're trying to avoid using it. But overall, it's a you know it's a it's a position that I think with the two starters you're fine, and even Jacobs you're fine. It, it's, it's they they've been able to uh, really stockpile linebackers uh, both at inside and outside linebacker. That if you take one of the, one guy out, another guy steps in, and you're really not seeing a huge drop off. Yeah, absolutely, and it's it, it I'm I'm really intrigued to see how. Uh, Conley steps up and, and how Edwards gets back and uh, you know Jacobs I've always been intrigued by and I put him down as a, like an X factor in our previews at fullback just because the athleticism and, and John Settles mentioned the I interviewed him in during fall camp about how he carries the ball better than most of the tailbacks in the country which is was an intriguing comment on that end and he just yep. he in the willingness for him to go and play not just fullback now, but inside linebacker and just seeing how that transcends. I, I, I wonder uh, how he'll do it now. If I'm not mistaken, he's got that medical red shirt that gives him now two seasons. Uh, yeah. We'll see I how. Really, I, oh, I, yeah, I do I too. Kind of feel bad. I kind of feel bad for him I, because he played, he played as a freshman in high school and then he took two years off and then played again as a senior in high school. Those were his only two years of football. And yet, He's come here. He's played outside linebacker. They moved him to inside linebacker. They moved him to fullback. Now they moved him back to inside linebacker. He's been able to become competent at all these different places, but they've never allowed him to become a master at any of them. And I think a guy who has that little experience, that little exposure to the game, would be very beneficial for him to stick in one spot for more than a year at a time. And they they haven't been. He hasn't been allowed to do it. Some of that probably, you know, some of that has a little bit to do with the coaching staff. But even that, you know, even if Dave Aranda wasn't around and Dave Aranda's the one that recruited him, even if he wasn't around, he'd probably still be a fullback. You know, it'd be, you know, that probably was where he was going to end up. So I just, uh, you know, I, I feel bad for him in that extent. But he's a kid that doesn't really care. You know, he's, he's going to do what's best for the team and he's going to take that mentality. But um, I, I think he'd be so much better off staying at one spot than, than moving him all around. But, hey, you got to do what you got to do. Absolutely. And he's a team player. And, uh, you know, and, and with that defense now, and, and, you know, maybe the last question before we go move on to some offense uh, and looking back at that, um, Yikes. three turnovers, three, three, you know, three turnovers, you know, you have, which is yeah. huge for, uh, you know, Justin Wilcox has been known for uh, defenses that have had uh, just success with that. I think last year, if I'm not mistaken, they had was it five uh, touchdowns uh, on, from the defense. They also had, uh, back in years past, just leading, you know, one of the top 10 teams or top 15 teams in turnover margin. And, you know, three turnovers is huge, especially with the way maybe Bart Houston, uh, maybe a little bit of a gunslinger where he had, what, two you know, two interceptions uh, on uh, on Saturday. And, and just what did you see out of those defensive backs? Because that was something that was maybe, um, granted, Tanner McAvoy had six interceptions last year. And uh, but you didn't really, yeah. I think Soldier and Shelton only had one interception between the two cor- starting cornerbacks. Uh, and, and Derek Tyndall had the one at the end of the first half. Dakota Dixon's interception yeah. sealed the game. How much, I mean, with, especially with the offense and, and maybe a little bit of uh, Bart Houston still acclimating to that offense and, and maybe not the decision-making uh, a little, you know, not suspect, but still growing. You can call it what uh, you want, much... yeah, Jake. We we can call it what. You, I mean, let's just let's just call it what it is. I mean, he's got some brain farts down when he gets close to the red zone. Three of his four interceptions in his career have been in the end zone, and uh, you know, and the other one was returned for a touchdown. So let's let, let's just call it what it is. He's got he, he struggles there, but you know, for Wisconsin's defense, 
the whole thing, yeah, I remember going back to 2013 when, when you know, Dave Miranda first showed up. It was all about trying to get three turnovers per game, and it very rarely happened under Dave Miranda. I mean, it, uh, I guess I can go back and look. I haven't, but I, I go back and look, and I'd say that they probably didn't do that more than 20% of the time, 15% of the time. Like, they, that was just never the case. And so um, to be able to do that in game one is huge. Now you have to look at the turnovers and, and, um, and, and how much – they were caused by Wisconsin. I, the one at the end of the half, I, that's a really good play by Derek Tyndall, right? And it, you know, I'm not really sure it, it mattered a ton, but uh, it, it's, it's a nice play. The other one where they, you know, the chasing down of uh, Diars and you know, just it looked like uh, Arrington Ferrar's butt, or maybe it was Leo Musso's butt, was the one that forced the fumble, <laughs> uh, the, the the butt fumble yeah. redux. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> those, those are those are good. Now the, the third one. And the most, you know, the most important one, I think Wisconsin did cause that. I, I think Wisconsin, you know, uh, that was huge. That was Vince Buell coming free. That was Wisconsin's pressure from the entire game. And they had been all over Brandon Harris. He was running for his life much of the game. I thought the off, I thought the defensive line and the, and the outside linebackers and the inside linebackers at that point, you know, put him in all kinds of trouble pretty much the entire game. He, he didn't feel comfortable at all. And on that final play, Vince Buell comes untouched right at the middle and, you know, he spins away and he, you know, and I was talking to Coach Dixon today and he just said, you know, I, he just, he got frat, he got frazzled or, you know, and, uh, and just threw it up. And, and I'm like, you were, he was, it looked like he was throwing to you because that, that's almost what it was. But it was because I think accumulation of everything that had happened throughout the game impacted Brandon Harris on that play. And that has a lot to do obviously with Wisconsin's defense and, and their goals of trying of what they wanted to do. And, I'm not sure that there's going to be too many offensive lines or offenses in, in, in the country that are going to be able to slow those outside linebackers and that defensive line. It's a really, 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 really good group. and um, You know, we'll, we'll see where it goes, but I, I, I don't know how you slow them down. Yeah. And uh, it's, you know, two at eight, they slow down LSU's offense two at 10 on third downs uh, and, you know, making Brandon Harris beat them. It was uh, just a real solid effort there. And, uh, and now, uh, before we talk about Akron, real quick on that offense, we already talked a little bit about Bart Houston uh, and just some of the decision making. Overall, though, you know, 19 to 31, 205 yards, uh, displayed some agility, a little bit of escapability. Uh, how would you assess his, you know, his first career start in Lambeau Field, and you know, at where a stadium where you know his name, his namesake, Bart Starr, uh, won championships Whoa, at Lambeau Bart, Field? He's named I know, Bart right? Oh my God! I know. Um, yeah, someone no, must have I'm done a story kidding. last week, right? Like someone must have done a story yeah. last week with his, his father, you know, which you did, oh, oh, uh, which was a great article. It was oh, a must oh, read. My, oh, oh my goodness! I can't believe you. That's that's. Uh, I'm surprised no one talked about uh, that. But um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding, obviously. But he was. I probably would describe it kind of like Paul Chris did after the game, where he said, you know, Bart being Bart, he you make some great plays. And then you have some ones where you're scratching your head and you're like, how in the world did you make that throw? Why in the world did you make that throw? And I find it very difficult. Like, and it was the same way at Illinois last year. Yeah, he threw two touchdowns. He also threw two interceptions that just go, what are you doing? Why are you throwing that ball? And that was my biggest concern going into the season was he was going to make those type of throws. And we saw it. And somehow, thanks to Wisconsin's defense and some timely throws from Bart Houston, to be fair, uh, they were able to overcome it. 
very, very, I thought he was pretty good against, uh, you know, between the 20s and not so great inside. And uh, he's got to be better there. You can't, I don't think, me personally, I don't think they're a top 10 team in the country, but if you're going to live up to what uh, these guys have, have, have said about you and, and now are ranking you there, he can't play that way. He has to be better. He has to play better um, when it counts uh, in, in those areas. That's the bad stuff. The good stuff, the guy's got a heck of an arm. He, he found his best player, Troy Fumagalli, a ton. And I, I think if they can continue to, you know, uh, work that way, and get them involved and his wide receivers catch the ball better, but they'll be much better off. But that uh, I, I, it's very, very hard for me to, to overlook the, those two mistakes. Yeah, no, I agree. It's one of those things where, um, I mean, I was rewatched that game where if he looks off, he had Jamal Adams, that, that this LSU safety look, I mean, they read it right yeah. away and he just locked on. If he looks, if he just re- looks him off once, he had a wheel right uh, over the middle for a touchdown with no support then. Uh, and and yeah, even I, if he dumps it off the Fumigali, it's a shorter field goal attempt for uh, uh, yeah. Rafael and, uh, and, so, and he said, oh, yeah, and he said, and, and he said uh, his first read was Fumigali. And I, and I didn't – like, when I originally watched it, I didn't see that. I thought he just locked right on to Penniston right away. But he does look at Fumagalli. But for whatever reason, he says two guys are there. There was only one guy there. And the second guy had already read his eyes and gone back to Penniston. It was, it was essentially <laughs> triple coverage. Yeah, if he if, – I don't know. I don't know if Wheelwright was his third read. I don't know how often they actually get to the third read. But if he was, yeah, and then that's probably a touchdown to, to Rob. And, you know, instead he – throws in a triple coverage and, and it gets picked off and you'll waste an opportunity in the red zone, which, you know, they, uh, they did a lot, not, not just in the red zone, but just in general, uh, in, you know, within the 25 yard line, not even the red zone, just at the 25 and in wasted points. And they, uh, it, it almost cost them. So he needs, he, he, I'm sure he'll, you would think he would get better, but he's, you know, uh, he's also a fifth year senior. So, um, <laughs> and I know it doesn't have it. And I don't know if those are experience mistakes or they're just, Bart being Bart. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we're here with Zach Heilprin from 106.7 The Zone here in Madison, the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network here on Bucky's Fifth Quarter, the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza. And you know, one last question before we kind of preview Akron, the offensive line and 134 yards on the ground. Corey Clement doesn't break 100 yards, but he does get a touchdown uh, on the day. What did you see out of that offensive line where and it came to, I mean, I saw them move some bodies. Obviously, they're still a young group, a relatively inexperienced group, but it seemed like they see, they were more cohesive, even with, you know, Ryan Ramchick the, you know, starting his first game at Division One, uh, 1A for the FBS. Uh, it, it, they seem more cohesive, and, and I from what I saw, and obviously there's still work to do, and, and Paul Christ acknowledged that in his press conference uh, on Monday, but it seems like that offensive line starting to become more cohesive, coalesce a little bit more, and at times they, they asserted when they needed to against that Tigers defense. Yeah, Paul Christ, they're going to win. An, they'll win a national championship, and he'll be like, uh, yeah, well, we got some, <laughs> we still got some things to work on. We, you know, there, there's room to grow. Um, he's going to be very appreciative. And, and appreciate all the got all that stuff, you know, about winning a title. But yeah, we got, you know, no, I'm kidding. Um, he, <laughs> I, I was encouraged by what I saw at the offensive line. I really was. And and I think if they're able to stay healthy, which to me is by far the biggest thing for them, it was last year, um, and it really has been throughout. You know, it, it just hasn't happened. I mean, 
I think they've they've been able to start the same line for the entire year once in like the last 20 years. It's it's a ridiculous uh, number. So and they won't even do it this week because it sounds like Mike McCoy is not going to start and it's going to be John Deetson at left guard. But I think and and that's not to me that's not much of a drop off. There's I don't think there is a drop off there. I think they're pretty equal. So. If if they stay healthy, I think they can be a really, really good offensive line. And I think next year and the year after that is really when you're going to see all this work pay off. I, they, they, they move some bodies. And I thought for the most part they held up in, in pass protection, especially uh, Ryan Ramchek. I think he, save for the one penalty uh, in the red zone, um, lived up to the expectations. And there were the expectations were enormous for him, which is which is kind of funny yeah. considering where he came from and the fact that he's a left tackle, but everyone knew, you know, his story and how he was, you know, stoning Beagle and Schobert last year on the scout team. And I thought, I thought he lived up to the expectations. The other guys uh, did as well. That's a tough defensive line. I don't think they're going to face anything maybe outside of uh, Michigan state potentially. um, And and maybe even Ohio state in terms of defensive line wise, that they're going to face anything like they saw on Saturday. So encouraged for sure with those guys and, the the yards the numbers weren't necessarily there 100 you know whatever it was one whatever you said it was 138 or 134 um whatever yeah it well was, I think it was 134 that's not going to get it done on a week to week basis but you're also not going to face LSU on a week to week basis so um, I'm really interested to see what they're able to do against the uh, and we'll, uh, you mentioned we'll talk about Akron I'm interested to see what they can do against Akron I'm interested to see what the offense in general can do against Akron because they struggled the way that they did last year and now you know through one game. This year, um, that starts to raise, you know, red flags. Absolutely. And and now you have, you know, you're talking about the Akron Zips. Not a slouch by any stretch of the imagination. They won eight games last season. Terry Bowden has them on the path. They won, uh, they, they won their bowl game against Utah State last year as well. They, they come back and they have a, a, a big-time quarterback, uh, you know, in terms of just he's big and, and he threw for 400 yards. Granted, it was against VMI, so take that with with what you will, but it's a spread offense. They have some transfers in there with a, a, the running back from Ohio State who ran for over 100 yards and, and some targets on receiving. What are some of your keys to the game in terms of how uh, what Wisconsin should do? I'm, I'm thinking establish the run game and, and obviously limit um, looking at limiting the turnovers uh, on the offensive side, but what what are some of your keys uh, for the home the true home opener for Wisconsin at at Camp Randall Stadium? Yeah, I mean Akron, I think that game was twenty six twenty four with them and VMI heading into the fourth quarter last week, so they ended up winning at forty seven to twenty four. But um, I, I I think the the key you know is how does Wisconsin we saw what Wisconsin's defense can do against the unimaginative. Uh, run it up the middle, um, you know, stop routes, uh, stop and go routes, all the crap that that, that uh, did not work for LSU last week. Uh, well, you know, what is it? What does that defense look like against a group that's going to spread you out, speed it up, and 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 put a lot of pressure on you? And and talking to Dakota Dixon this week, he said he can't wait. He's he's so excited to be able to play against a team like this. This is. Yeah, the, what they were hoping to see last week. They wanted to, they wanted to be tested, and they really weren't tested. They'll be tested. Thomas Woodson is going to test them. Uh, Jerome Lane, who played who played linebacker as a freshman, and now is their their starting wide receiver, had ten catches for 190 yards last week. That you know is the situation that that they're going to have to deal with. I, that's that uh, on offense. It's it's the passing game. We didn't really. Brandon Harris was horrible. Wisconsin had a lot to do with it. But Brandon Harris was horrible, and I think Thomas Woodson maybe will give them a little <laughs> bit more of a test. 
um, than, than Brandon Harris did. And I hope they do because I think that's still a question on defense. Can they uh, hold up on the back end? They did in the first game. We'll see if they can in the second game. Other side of the ball, again, move the ball, score points in the red zone, don't turn it over, um, and, uh, you know, and show us that, yeah, it was just the LSU defense that was stopping us, and it wasn't necessarily uh, us stopping ourselves if you're Wisconsin. You know, we, we, are, we are a good enough offense to score uh, points on anybody, and, and last week was just an aberration because of how good that defense was. You know, that's, that's what I would think that they should be thinking, and I think um, they need to show it because, uh, you know, teams that are in the top ten of the country put points on, uh, on teams like Akron, and they should. And, you know, I'll head into kind of this talk and we maybe just do a couple of quick questions for you uh, regarding the Packers. Uh, we're here. This is Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza, of course, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. We have Zach Heilprin from 106.7, the zone here in Madison, the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. And, uh, you know, we mentioned it before, you know, before, before we started, you know, really digging into the Badgers. Probably the most surprising news on Saturday, uh, besides the upset, was just the release of Josh, Josh Sitton. Uh, longtime Green Bay Packers left guard. All of a sudden, receiving reports that he'll be released if he can't be traded. What do you make of that, Zach? It's weird. You know, you've covered the Packers, and and, and you you know, you know, it 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 seems like you know all pro guard, uh, you know, one of those constants on a line. Uh, work. You talked about I think during the preseason about how he was trying to keep his weight down so he'd feel healthier. Uh, and, and, you know, it seemed like he was going to be part of that line uh, for this year, especially with the, with this, a lot of people predicting him to go to the Super Bowl again. Uh, but what do you make out of Josh Sitton being released and now signing with the Chicago Bears? I think it's insane. I think it, uh, it, hit, everybody <laughs> in the press box on, uh, it hit everybody on the press box on Saturday. And, uh, I, you know, I thought it was a joke to begin with. And then, you know, obviously it was Rob Demosky from ESPN and, that's no joke. And uh, you, you look at it and, gosh, what happened? And, you know, stuff has started to trickle out about it. You know, there was some tension between him and the coaching staff and the management regarding whether uh, they were going to give him a contract extension. He was supposed to be free agent after this year. Um, and he was a little upset that apparently they were going and, and, you know, concentrating on other guys first before him. And I can see it from his point of view. Uh, he wants to get paid. Um I, it's so close to the season. You just wish this could have happened sooner. Um, you, you for you know for both sides' sake, right? I mean, he get he gets to yeah. go somewhere else, and he you know gets to work together with with whoever it's going to be. And the Packers get Lane Taylor in there, and everyone has a lot more time to digest this. Instead, you're doing it, you know, eight days before you open the season at Jacksonville, and and this came a lot out of nowhere apparently to a lot of people on that team, at least the way that they talked about it. And I. Um, you know, I, for me personally, uh, I don't like it. I think you hold on to guys that are as talented as that, but I also don't think it's going to be the difference between whether they make the Super Bowl or not. Guards, he's making $7 million a year. Guards are not, you know, going to break the bank. We saw what type of player he was when they moved him to left tackle. He's not a left tackle. He's a, he's a guard. That's all I can do. And so, yep. you know, if, if, if it's, it's not going to be a make-or-break situation, whether he's with Green Bay or he's with Chicago. It doesn't all of a sudden make Chicago a Super Bowl contender and, and take Green Bay down. But, you know, you certainly wish that it could have been a situation that both sides could have worked something out and that they make one more run together. But, uh, alas, that is not the case. Uh, 
Lane Taylor, what is that? Is that, I mean, usually you'd think, you know, like this is definitely a sudden release. It's, they obviously had Lane Taylor working in during the preseason, but um, how do you think he's going to shape up with this offense and, and with this sudden change? I mean, especially, I mean, now you're heading into Jacksonville, it's going to be hotter down there. I think if I'm not mistaken, uh, it's supposed to be pretty warm down there, but what do you, yeah. what do you make out of that? Uh, you know, with, with Lane hey, Taylor look, now being thrown in there. Yeah. It's not Lane, Lane's not new. You know what I mean? Like he, he's not new in the sense of the word new. He's been around since 2013. He was an undrafted free agent. Um, I remember talking to him that summer and, he had just had a little baby, and he was hoping to make the team so that he could, you know, uh, take care of her and his <laughs> and his wife, you know. And and now he's at the point where he's played in two, he started two games in his career, and now he's thrown into it. Now I think the thing that's valuable for him is that T.J. Lang and both and Josh Sitton were both really dinged up last year, barely practiced, and so you know even in games, even in weeks that they ended up playing, so he was able to uh, get a ton of reps with the first team, get a ton of t- reps with Aaron Rodgers and, and the way that he runs things. So. I think he'll be okay in that sense, but I mean, I, I'm far from an offensive line expert, but Josh Sitton was considered among the best guards in the league, and there's going to be a drop-off there. How big a drop-off and how uh, noticeable will it be? I guess <laughs> I guess we'll have to wait and see, but um, you know, I, I, I the Packers, I don't think, make this move unless they think Lane, Lane Taylor is, is good enough to be able to handle it. And I know that, you know, a lot of people are probably thinking, you know, they cut it all pro they could a guy because they didn't want to pay him a certain amount of money and that's the reason they did it but i they don't do it with with just not thinking about anything else they they must think that despite how poorly he played in the preseason especially in the last preseason game that lane taylor's good enough and uh i guess we'll we'll find out my biggest issue with the whole thing to be honest with you is that ted thompson didn't talk and hasn't discussed this at all and he's not scheduled to do so i think that is that's a lot of BS, and he, he should be out front and having to describe this instead of putting it on his players and putting it on his head coach. He should be out. He's the one that made the move. He should be the one that has to describe it. But, you know, no one's there. To, no owner is there to force him to, to do it, and Mark Murphy certainly isn't. Hello? Yeah, that's what I've been talking about. Is yeah, I didn't really have time to get nervous, um, even though it's the first play. It's, it's like you know I didn't have to spend all Friday night worrying and weeks leading up worrying. You know I just had to go in and do what we've been preparing for, and it just made it a lot easier. Was it tough seeing what happened to Crystal? 
Yeah, in the middle of the game, you you know you only have a little bit to think about it, but you know obviously you don't you hate to see one of your friends go down like that. Um, you know, in the middle of the game, you just gotta you kind of gotta turn your focus back to LSU and what's what's at hand. So you had seven tackles, but one of them stick out more than the others. Um, yeah, probably the third down on the screen sticks out, just because we've you know that's that's something we practice a lot is those screen plays, and so to be able to kind of do in the game and take some on the ground felt pretty good. Taking down Fournette, yeah. that, when, you, when you get that tackle against him, how does that help you? Well, I mean, as a team, you know, that was huge third down late in the court, late in the fourth, or kind of early in the fourth quarter, you know, to get a stop and get our offense back in the field. You know, personally, that's, you know, it's kind of a confidence booster. You know, he's obviously a very talented back, very talented running back. So, you know, personally, you know, that's, it kind of gives yourself a little confidence booster, I'd say. Um, no, I wasn't too surprised because of the angle. I was ta- I was coming from inside out, so um, yeah, it was probably a smarter move for him to try to cut me so that liner could take the outside. You anticipated that? Yeah, um, more or less. Yeah. Okay. The last year, you didn't get a lot of playing time, but I remember talking to Randy that he thought you had some potential. What are some of the things you learned last year under Dave that maybe helped prepare you for this year as well? Um, probably the most I got of him was you know. Like all the different defenses we ran, the different looks we would give different teams, and kind of why we would be giving those looks. Um, you know, we had kind of looked in last year and different stuff against different looks, and so you know, we kind of seen, we kind of ran it all against different people at some point. So that you know, you have the knowledge to go out and do stuff. So then you know, just you know, Coach Wilcox does a great job working on it, like how we do things, and it, it really fits us well. Preparation different this week? Nope. I say as the schedule as far as preparing wise, you know everything's the same. What about mentally for you between the a little different? Yeah, a little bit different. I'd say. I mean, you know, I still got to attack practice the same way. I mean, I, I don't think anything's changed as far as practicing for me. Cause, you know, like like I mean, who knows? I could go down anyway. You know, so the guy below me, they have to be ready. So I think I think as an inside linebacker crew, we're all we all practice as if we could play, and we all have the confidence that we all can play. Are you approaching this as like it's a placeholder role until T.J. Edwards is healthy, or, or do you view it like it's an audition that if you do well, you know, then you can kind of be a, a three-man team in that two, two spot? Uh, yeah, I try not to really think about it. Obviously, T.J. is you know one hell of a linebacker, and no one's going to take that away from him. And, um, you know, injury doesn't take a spot away, so you know I I just try to take it one day at a time. I don't, I don't think I don't really try to think about that. It won't it won't be really productive for us you know, as a team. Um, they have they have a lot of talent, um, a lot of at their skill positions. They have big wide receivers, you know, running back to a quarterback's got a really strong arm, quarterback um, good runner too. So I mean they they've they've got some talent um, in their skill positions. So. Right, yeah, LSU is more, you know, downhill pro style offense. These guys like to spread us out. So, you know, we'll have different looks um, for them, obviously, because, you know, we're not going to be facing those hard lead downfields. And so, yeah, we'll, you know, it's a little bit change up this week for us. I, know. Uh, I heard, I read somewhere that she used to be a quarterback, and how did you end up getting on the upstairs? Yeah, I grew up always playing quarterback. My whole life I was quarterback, and, um, Honestly, coming into college, I wanted to put on as much weight as I could so that I wouldn't be a quarterback anymore. I didn't, I didn't think I could be a D1 quarterback, so I didn't. I thought I was gonna play quarterback until the first day I was here when the coach texted me and he's like, "Hey, why don't you go to linebacker?" So I'm like, "Okay." 
and that's what I wanted to do. So. How much weight did you have to put on then? Uh, probably between senior year and coming here, I probably put on 30 pounds. 30 pounds? Yeah. And uh, how has that transition been with you being on offense all the time and making the switch to play D1 it's, as a back? It was a pretty tough transition at first. I, my freshman year was not the prettiest, I'd say, as far as playing linebacker. But, you know, a lot of great guys here helped me out along the way, and so I'm mean, kind of just keep growing. What ultimately is my only only option. I was just the only walk on offer place I got. I didn't I didn't want to go play small ball in northern Minnesota. So looking back at that now, where you are today versus back then, how lucky I was. I I honestly didn't think I was. I didn't been talking to Wisconsin for a long time, and then the coach randomly called me up. He was visiting one of my buddies, uh, who's also a great player, and he's like, hey, I'm in the neighborhood. Do you mind if I stop by? I'm like, oh, it's a pity stop. You know, he's going to come and say hi, but he offered me, you know, a spot, and I took it on the spot because, you know, this is this is what I wanted. So. Who was he assistant again? It was Strickland. Strickland was the one that gave me the opportunity, yeah. You old Ben Strickland. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I made sure, when I got my scholarship, I made sure he was one of the first people I reached out to and thanked because... I was going to ask, what was that like to go from... One walk on offer, being a walk on and getting a scholarship. I mean, you know, that's like, Wisconsin's the best place to walk on. You hear that all the time. But, like, to actually, you know, see it come through, you know, and early in that summer when Stitchy and Dari got their scholarship, you're like, you know, hey, it's really possible to put in the work. And then, you know, and I got it, and uh, me and Xander got it at the same time in a meeting. And, you know, it was just, it was probably one of the better, you know, experiences I've had. And, you know, to see your hard work pay off is, is a pretty cool thing. Yes. Did you grow up in Yeah. Kind of. Kind of. My dad is undergrad at Iowa, um, so I grew up a Hawkeye fan for most of my life. Just kind of hoping to keep that under wraps. <laughs> <laughs> Your mom's from Madison. Mom's, mom's the Badger, yeah, mom went here. So. You wouldn't have got the offer cover, you didn't want to play small ball in northern Minnesota. What might you have done back then? Um, I, was, I got into school here, so I, the plan was to come here and so, I mean, I, odds are I probably would have ended, still ended up playing football somewhere, okay. but, yeah. So. When did you actually get the uh, scholarship offer? Was it a couple summers ago? I want to, oh, scholarship says middle of camp last year, so over a year and a month ago. And, and what, you said Northern Minnesota, was it like a D2 scholarship? It, yeah, like what? UMD or, you know, all the all the D2 schools around there, some D3s, um, were kind of the only ones that are talking to me. So. I know you were asking. <laughs> yeah. I know you already asked about the whole teammates making fun of you, but yeah. who, who started that? Do you know? Um, well, I mean, they've been making fun of me for my hair for quite some time, but that that doesn't really get to me. I'm, that's just, you know, I don't care about that. But um, I think TJ was the creator of the uh, uncle nickname. Are you going to get him back? Somehow? I'll have to. Yeah, I'm not going to create any nicknames for him right now. But, uh, yeah. Watt or uh, Watt. Watt. TJ Watt. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'll I'll take it. I would have hoped he'd be a little more creative than Uncle, but I'll take it. When it comes to the linebacker positions, you're listed as you know, going into the LSU game, you have two both positions. What are the differences between that both positions, and how do you prepare now? Um, there's not too much difference between both positions. Obviously, they're doing different things on every play, but if you can get if you know the communication and you're listening to safeties behind you, and um, that can really help you know what you're supposed to do on a play and then I mean you know I've been here for a couple of years you know a couple of spring balls and summers and so the install you know it's been I've gone through a couple of installs now so like I it's easy to know both when you've been here for a couple of years. Which coach sent you the text the first day about switching to linebacker? 
That was Coach Strickland. Yeah, Strickland, too. yeah. Because I, I actually texted him. I'm like, hey, uh, what should I play tomorrow when we uh, show up in the summer? So he, he told me. So you were totally on board. You weren't like, God, I don't know. Yeah, I was hoping he'd say one of the inside or outside linebackers. So. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah. dynamics at play, but it'll be settled very soon. I don't know what signing day was like at SC, but you've got obviously been a couple of your different stops. Just curious to get your take on what signing day has become, sort of how yeah. it's turned into. That's a great like a balance with valuable experience there. He's a real physical guy, he's very smart, and uh, we're excited about adding him to the group. Impressions of what Ryan Conley was able to do. Um, you know, obviously going to a game not knowing your, what your role is going to be winds up playing all you know, the whole game. Yeah, I thought Ryan did an excellent job. Uh, there's a lot of guys uh, who gave great efforts during the game, and uh, Ryan was a guy. You know, to be honest, it wasn't real surprising. Uh, kind of, you know, Ryan's shown improvement since since I've been here, and uh, uh, it's a chance for him to go out and and play. And I thought he played totally under control and and. Uh, did a really good job, and we're glad we got him. Does Chris's injury change at all what you try and do with the inside backers? There was a guy who just started 10 games last year. And what do you mean? Does, uh, does it change your approach? Does it, you know, maybe got somebody in there with less experience? Or? Uh, not really, no. Uh, the guys in that room, uh, you know, losing Chris, it's, it's, it's tough, you know, and you, and you hate it for him because he's such a, it matters so much to him, and uh, the good thing is a guy like him with his attitude, he'll be back as, as fast as humanly possible. Uh, and uh, the great thing about that group is, and, and a lot of guys on the team, you know, it's the next man up and, and they'll be ready to play. And I think Ryan embodied that uh, last weekend. And so I don't think we change anything going forward. Uh, we try again, it's always about playing to our team's strengths. And so uh, those things can sway a little bit, but uh, I'm not really worried about it other than that. So, how would you evaluate your depth in that position? With two guys, Edwards, and then with, with Orr, how would you say, where, are you where you want to be, linebacker? Well, I mean, you don't ever want to lose anybody. So, And I don't know if there's a coach out there that you know thinks you have too much depth. So, uh, obviously, uh, having losing Chris and having TJ out, it's not ideal, but that's the game of football, and it's the next man up, and that's why guys practice, and that's why they come here, and that's why you prepare, because things happen, and, and uh, when, in your time, when it's your time, you, uh, you know, guys rise to the occasion and step up and play. And so, again, it wasn't uh, surprising what Ryan did. And obviously, hate losing guys like Chris and, and not having TJ, but that's part of the game. What kind of strides Alex James made yeah. this offseason as far as coming out Yeah, you know, Alex, his work ethic is is uh, very impressive. Impressive. He's a uh, he's got some really good physical tools. He's a very smart player. Very tough guy. He doesn't say a whole lot. Uh, just goes about his business, and Anoke's done a great job uh, working with him, and uh, you see him get better you know, every week, week in, week out, and he can do some different things. You know, he can line up at you know, four technique, he can line up in three technique, he can play a little bit of nose for us and nickel, so he's done some real good things. You know, the game is about the players, but was there a certain measure of pride you took in 
way that defense played in your first game as coordinator here? Uh, just proud of the guys on the team. You know, they really fought. Uh, you know, we went into the game expecting to win the game and play well, and um, we were far from perfect. There was a few run fits that we weren't uh, quite where we needed to be, and a couple things in the past game that could have been cleaner. But uh, that's how football goes. And I think just the, uh, the attitude they took and how hard they played and to kept uh, just keep swinging and keep fighting and having to have to come up with a play at the end of the game. You know, we knew it would probably come down to something like that, and it was, uh, you know, it was satisfying to see those guys work and be rewarded for it. Is there any play that sticks out to you above maybe the others? Uh, there's just there's you know so many, and it's hard to single out one player or one play or one player because so many guys did so many things, and uh, you know, defensive side of the ball and the offensive offensive side and the special teams, and that's that's what's so great about this game. It takes all phases. Ryan, Ryan had a nice tackle on Fournette on a, on a screen pass. That was a that huge was play. Huge, from your perspective, play. what did you see from that? And what well, they ran a screen into a, uh, in a into a pressure, which is hard. And Ryan, in that call, is kind of the last line of defense before it gets to the secondary. And I mean, he couldn't have played it any better. And it was a third down and eight, and they got numbers out in the screen. We lost the guy, uh, you know, in the rush, and it was a huge play. And that's one of those that. You know, it was a great play, but when you really look at it and you study it on tape, it's the time of the game and the situation. It's a third down, and uh, they have a good play into that pressure, and, and he, he made it. And so, you know, I told him that one's going on the teach tape for, for a long time. How much potential does your front seven have to get even better after such a good performance? Well, I, yeah, I mean, that's – like I said, I don't, we didn't come in – you know, everybody was excited about the win and, and should be, but it's not like everybody came in and was patting each other on the back and – you know, it was a. You have to go back to work, and you know, no matter the outcome, you're gonna you're gonna have things to learn from, and it's always nice to, to learn those lessons when you win. Uh, so, you know, you don't diminish that. But uh, there was a lot to take off the tape, and there really, you know, whether it was a technique or a, a pattern matchup or a run fit, there was just so many things to learn. So, uh, I don't think I'm not worried about the guys you know, losing that mentality of going to work every day, and they've done it this week so far, and you know, continue. I would expect that that would continue. With how? Yeah, well, uh, you know, won eight games last year, won a bowl game. They got a big mobile quarterback. He's got extremely strong arm. Uh, running back, they're a very good football player. They got a big wideout to create some matchup problems for people. Uh, they got a couple guys in the slot and have really good quickness, and they go with tempo. So, you know, they create a lot of problems, and there's a reason they won games. They got good coaches and a good system. So. Uh, it'll be a challenge for us, and I know our guys uh, have watched the tape, and we've watched a bunch of their tape and understand that. Guys, thanks for joining us one more time. Big thanks to Zach Alper for jumping on. Uh, really appreciate him jumping on. Apologies for the technical difficulties. You won't hear this, obviously, uh, later on. But before, it was Ryan Connolly, the inside linebacker that you uh, heard before, defensive coordinator Justin Wilcox. Uh, we'll update the podcast to make sure that's all uh, nice and tidy for you guys. Uh, and, and just um, you guys enjoy the game this weekend. You guys be safe. First home opener at, at Camp Randall. Uh, this is Jake Okorowski, Bucky's fifth quarter. Make sure you guys follow us at uh, Kielbasa Kings WI, at B5Q, at Coco b 5 q and at Scott Wisniewski 2 uh, for on Twitter, we appreciate you guys again. Tune in next week. We'll we'll recap Packers and Jaguars. We'll recap Badgers and Zips. 
We'll discuss a lot more. Anything that's going on in the sports world, we'll, we'll highlight it. Uh, thinking of you, Scotty. We love you, brother. Uh, and like I said, a big thanks again to Zach Heilprin, again, from 106.7 The Zone and the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network for joining us. And uh, just uh, guys, have a great week. Have a safe weekend. For those that are in Wisconsin, stay dry with all this rain we're getting. And doze a bitch anyway, friends.